Hey, Nick fans, welcome to episode 45 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. We're a man down this week. Alex is out, a little, little, uh, little exhausted, a little under the weather, you know, so he's on uh, he's on the IR right now. Uh, so it's just Omar and Rafa here with you. Rafa, how you doing uh, on this lovely Sunday evening? Could be worse, could be worse. Uh, Nick surprised me. Of course, yeah. I didn't see the game because they were late as uh, all hell. Yeah. So, so yeah, but it's tough for the European fans when they go on those West Coast road trips because I mean, you yeah. know, like I'm thinking about it, like, oh man, I gotta wait till 10 p.m. for this for this Knicks game to start. But for you guys, you know, that's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I never try to complain about it to you guys because I know you'll be like, oh, it's a 3 a.m. start, you know. And it's funny. I was talking to a friend of the pod, Fraz, about that, and. He was saying he, how he actually likes the West Coast trips because he's always up like super early at 4 a.m. anyway. So, you know, he wakes up and starts watching the Knicks game. So I can't can even comprehend the, the, the idea of getting up in the morning and seeing Knicks basketball. No, fuck no. So that like, happened to me the other day. So here's what happened. It was the Denver game. You know, I had to wake up early for a flight. So I watched the first half the night before. And then I went to bed. Then I wake up. You know, as I'm getting packed and everything, it's hard to turn on the game and I watch the second half, you know, and uh, luckily it was for a win. So that, that was yeah, nice. Yeah. But imagine if I, you wake up and just catch the second half of the Suns game. Oh, what a disaster. Like you go to bed, like in that exact same scenario, you go to bed and you know, they're down by two. You're optimistic. You don't look at your phone when you wake up and then you go, you turn on your, your league pass and you, you fast forward to the second half. And then you see him get trounced by 30 or by 20 or whatever the hell the loss was today. It didn't happen to me like that, but uh, uh, not about, well, not with this uh, road trip, but other road trips, like if the game starts at 3 a.m. or something, you wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, let me just 5 a.m. or 4 something a.m. or whatever. And you would go, oh, let me just see how the game is. Yeah. Oh, the Knicks are up by five. It's a close game. Let me see how this ends. And it's a disaster. And you're like, I got out of bed for this shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, amazing. No it's, good. it's an amazing it's feeling. Good. Well, look, man, you know, we chose to be fans of this team, you know, and uh, I know you earlier in the week mm -hmm. were like lamenting your your fandom choices between between the Knicks and the Maple Leafs and the NHL. So, um, so oh, you man, know, I, I hear you. I am, I clearly am paying for uh, uh, past transgressions in past lives because I, I have the two most <laughs> horrific teams in North American sports. And getting into the Giants, so thank you for that. Hey, I so, mean, Giants so yeah, lost it's... today, but you know they're they're still seven and three. They're they're having a good year. But let's uh, let's dive into the week that was. Yours and Alex's negativity was not rewarded this past week. Talking about zero and four, one and three. I'm gonna be nice with one and three. Me, the optimist, picked two and two, and sure enough, it came to fruition. Not the games I thought we would win. However, no, no. Uh, we did win them, you know, so so two and two on the week. This average team continues to be more average, eight and nine on the year right oh now, God. right there in the middle of the pack, uh, as they have been this entire campaign, 17 games in. But let's talk a little bit about somebody who's not playing right now, which is Evan Fournier. Seven, eight games in, we were talking before we started recording. Uh, Fournier was, he was a real bad slump, couldn't make a shot. And, you know, he got pulled from the rotation. We haven't seen him since. Uh, he's been a good teammate about it. 
and he's you know said all the right things but you know today he until today asked about yeah yeah, until today when he was asked about it he's like yeah you know it's just kind of pisses me off but you know his exact quote was i'm not happy but what can i do i can't really do much so i can so i just stay professional close quote he's being a professional he's not causing a, a stir but you know why do you think at this moment they've pulled the plug from from fournier there are a couple. There's not only one reason. I think there's a couple of reasons. The most blatant one to me is, well, there are two fairly obvious, which is, well, Evan Fournier stopped, well, uh, or didn't make as many of what kept him in rotation last week, uh, last year, which was making threes. Comes in, doesn't make any threes. Well, he's not playing well with Cam Reddish coming up and playing good minutes, good minutes, especially on defense. There you go. It's it's a perfect storm for Evan Fournier. Even with Quentin Grimes injured, not injured, sore foot, weird situation. He played 30 minutes today, so happy with that. You know, Wally had some good insight about that injury. I don't know if you, you heard that on the broadcast today, where he was talking about plantar fasciitis. Yeah. yeah, he was talking about plantar fasciitis which is what Grimes was suffering from. And he had it when he was a player uh, back uh, back in the day. And he said the thing about it is, like, you can't play on it because you're just going to continue to make it worse. So you have to kind of, like, let it do its thing. And But once it's done, you know, you're good. You don't have to worry about it. So it looks like maybe Grimes is now fully healed from that injury. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, you know, hope, hope so. he was pretty good today. You know, he was, you know, passing the ball pretty well, defending pretty well. So. I have a, I have a thought. Uh, uh, Alex can be the one to tell us uh, later or uh, a lot later next week. But I think Alex got exhausted because he was cheering so much watching Quentin Grimes play playing well. And he got <laughs> he got ex- too ecstatic and he couldn't take it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, so the, it's like when Randall hits threes reason. for me or when RJ is hitting threes for you. You know, we we just like to support yeah. our guys. You know, that's, that's just what that's, it is. that's why that's why that's why we are, we are so rested this week. Oh, come on, man. At least Randall I had am. a good game against Denver. We got it. <laughs> no, at least I am. At least I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. We'll, we'll get to, to RJ a little bit later. Early but. season form. Yeah. But Fournier is people were calling for his head last last year for most of the of the season. Mm-hmm. And no, finally happened. A bit I mean, 17 games or 16 games or whatever. Fournier started, came off the bench, dro- got dropped out of the rotation. So it's it's tips trying everything possible to survive. It's mm. it's what I say basically. Yeah, that's it. So that kind of is my point. I am convinced now, and you know I've never been on the fire tips bandwagon. You know, like yeah, I feel like I'm the middle ground between you and Alex there. Like where Alex is like, no, he's a good coach. Keep him. You're just like, get this fucking guy off my team. Now I'm just kind of like, well, you know, you don't, you don't really want to fire him, but he also has flaws type deal. But so I've never been the in the fire tips bandwagon, but no. I'm starting to think that this guy's coaching for his job right now. I don't think they're happy with being a mediocre team because they're probably looking at it. They're like, hey, we we signed Jalen Brunson because we were a mediocre team last year and he's supposed to make us better. It's not only the Brunson deal, it's the... Uh... Who told the front office not to trade Quentin Grimes for Donovan Mitchell? I mean, was it the coaching staff? 
it was the front office that decided Quentin Grimes is too good or was influenced by the, the I'm not saying only Tibbs because it's a coaching staff. So. Well, it's no mystery that Tibbs was really high on Grimes. I'm sure if, if it was a if it was Cam Reddish as well, the swing player, gone. right? And high, high, yeah, would have would have been happy. And we would have we would have had Donovan Mitchell at the garden. Uh but you know it's I really do think he's coaching for his job. And because you're looking at it, it's like, okay, they bring in Brunson, he's doing good stuff. Randall, for all of the criticism he's received, has played better than he was playing last year. He's not in he's not in COVID year form, right? But he's better than he was last year. RJ had, like you said, I mentioned early season RJ form. You know, he's been struggling shooting. I think going into today's game, he had only made one of his last 23 threes. It's not been great. His confidence is not great either. But, you know, you're looking at the situation where Tibbs is like, okay, I might be in trouble here because they're they're having deficiencies. Like the three-point shooting defense is not going away. It's a problem every game. It happened even in wins. It's rebounding, man. Oh, the rebounding today was atrocious. But dude, man. Yeah, it was not good. You know, and you know, you're supposed to ideas that you have these inside guys like Mitch and Hartenstein and Ivy Randall is a pretty good defensive rebounder. Quickly is an excellent rebounder for a guard, you know, and these guys are like letting up these offensive rebounds like crazy. But, you know, you're looking at I do think he's just kind of he sees the writing on the wall, like, man, it's probably just gonna take one bad losing streak, like one five loss in a row losing streak, which happens in the NBA. It's not uncommon. And he might be gone. So he's looking at it's like, okay, my identity is defense. So I got to make this defense better. How do I correct that? We got to pull Evan and throw in Cam and Quinton, you know, and, and that's what they've been. That's what they've done. You know, and we'll see what the long-term results are, but, you know, I think I commend Fournier for being a professional, you know, he's still cheering on his yeah. teammates. He's not sulking. He's not complaining to the media again up until today. But he – I don't even look at that as complaining to the media. That's just him saying, yeah, yeah that's obviously I'm, I'm a player. I want to be playing, right? Do you think that – you think Derrick Rose complained to the media? Was that complaining to the media? Last, what, last week or two weeks ago or something? Yeah, these are guys who, who expect to be playing minutes, who signed contracts with the expectation of playing minutes and they're not getting their minutes. Obviously Fournier has been completely iced out whereas Rose's role has been minimized, but you know, it's the same type of concept. And what you, what you're really yeah, seeing exactly. here now though, is we need to just admit that that off season where they brought in Fournier was a complete fucking disaster. Like think about all the, think about the deals they signed Rafa S extended yeah. Nerlens Noel traded the next year, extended Alec Burks worked. rated the next worked. year. Like you signed Julius Randle, his extension hasn't lived up to the contract in the eyes of most people. You extend Derrick Rose, yeah, absolutely. and you know his role is minimized. He's playing ten minutes a game. You signed Evan Fournier, that didn't work. You bring in the Kemba Walker, that didn't work. You know, and literally everything they did that offseason did not work. So maybe absolutely. it's coming to the point now where they are just saying, "All right, we just need to understand that that offseason was a whiff, and let's just get off of this." And trade this guy and get him out of here. So, before we start recording, I said to you that if you trade him, the time to trade him was in the offseason because he was coming off shooting 40% from three. A couple contenders maybe could have talked themselves into it. But now, 
it's kind of hard to see it happening. But uh, when you see the result of uh, a potential trade for uh, of of Fournier to another team, you said it. I didn't really talk uh, thought about it, but you saying this makes me wonder if last season's um, free agency was a whiff, and it turned out as a whiff. Absolutely right. Nothing worked. Noel, Kemba, Fournier, uh, to a degree, Burks even. What if that's the reason why Tibbs is staying here with us right now? Maybe that's the reason why he didn't got fired last last year. The end of oh, last you mean year. like, like okay. the offseason was a disaster? So we got to give you a better offseason, a better roster? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. something in that general. And even if you're saying a five-game losing streak, after, if you look at our games, after the, the terrible loss against the Nets, we won against the, the, the Pistons, yeah. We beat the Jazz and the Nuggets. If we went 4-0 in this road trip, do you think, or 5-0 tomorrow with with, with, the, City. with the Thunder, mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, we could return home without Tibbs? Like, oh no, absolutely not. Is yeah. that even a possibility? Uh, no. No, I mean, no. yeah, you we, you sweep a fucking road trip. I mean, there's no way, right? Like, who's who's doing that? Like, who's the crazy owner who's yeah. who's, who's okaying that decision? And I don't know, man. It's just like I'm looking at it when you're starting to look at all right, what what is this team's problem? And obviously, outside shooting has been a I feel like a problem for the Knicks since I've been a fan, you know, like since the nineties, they have, they've struggled finding outside shooters outside of like Allen Houston, you know, as far as like high volume, high efficiency um, outside shooters. And, you know, the RJ struggles are what they are. Um, Obviously not being able to have a consistent flow at the shooting guard position, whether it's Grimes or, or whether it's uh, Reddish or whether it's Fournier, whoever the case may be. Mitch's injury, you know, so fluctuation at the center. Now, real quick, though, I do, do want to say, Jericho Sims has been playing great basketball these past, like, four or five Looked games. amazing. Looked like, amazing. Yeah. Defense, I, like, the big thing for me was that in the closing minutes against that, in that Denver game, he played, like, excellent, like, on an island defense against Jamal Murray, who was, you know, having a really good game. You know, and yeah, I've been very impressed with what I've seen with Jericho. I think I, I've always liked Jericho as a prospect, and um, you know, he's he, he's even gotten better from the free throw line. Like he, I think going into today's game, he was like five for six on from the line on the year. Obviously, small sample size, but you know, it's yeah. uh, encouraging uh, with his development. Shot looks good from the line, and you know, he's I feel like he's progressing pretty well here. But knowing knowing Mitch's history is it's great to have him knowing he's there. Knowing Mitch's history. Oh, because of the injury. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So then you have like a rotation with him and Hartenstein. You know, you could still, even if Mitch misses time, uh, more time in the future, you could say, hey, we at least got a somewhat decent replacement. I mean, we said that before, where like Jericho Sims gives you 60 to 70% of Mitch. You know, maybe he's not as good of an offensive rebounder, but in terms of a lob threat, a defensive rebounder, and a shot blocker, he's he, yeah, he has all those skills right there. Uh, but to your point, before I, before we we move on the Fournier thing, the the deal, I don't know if the, these reports that before we first saw at last episode between quickly getting traded or Rose and everything, I don't know if that's surveying the land. Like, oh, you want Emmanuel quickly, take Evan Fournier. And if that's the case, that's kind of a loss to me. 
having to throw throw away quickly to to get rid of Evan Fournier. If it's if you're trading Rose with Fournier, okay, I'm I'm okay with it. Who's, as much as I, I love Derrick Rose, what Crow, team is doing that? Lakers. Is my question. Besides Lakers, Lakers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The contract is the issue. Like he he is expiring, obviously. Like, would you then would you do like a Rose plus Fournier to the Lakers for Westbrook and buy out Westbrook just to be done sure, with it? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I mean that that I would even which, I mean if we trade it, if we do that trade at the deadline because we're done over and done. Yeah. Why not play Westbrook? What what what's in it for if he doesn't want to play? Yeah, okay. If he wants to play here for the for the rest of the season with the Knicks, you know, what do you have to lose, man? It's it's interesting I don't I don't care, man. because he has kind of accepted this bench role with the Lakers, you know. Yes. So does and they he... still suck off it. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. But like this if he does it, you know, if he if they do that hypothetically. Do, do they just say to him, yeah, we're going to give you 20, 24 minutes off the bench, or you're just going to lead this bench unit and, you know, just attack, 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 and try to swing it out to the shooters when they're open? You know, do they do they think about that? You know, and then just let him wait, wait. bomb voyage the next year. What shooters? <laughs> hey, I I need you to That's respect OB yeah. Toppin's three-point shot, okay. okay? He is the shooter, I mean, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, like Grimes, quickly, they could, they could catch and shoot threes. I mean, it's not like... Not like they're yeah. you know shooting twenty percent or something like that. Well, that's the if the reports are correct, we want to move from one of those guys to make uh, quickly uh, and one of those guys in quickly and Rose to make space at the backcourt. It, well, it doesn't seem logical to bring back Westbrook and play him. Yeah, so, I mean, it would have to. So be a no, I think it would have to be a buyout. Yeah. Which to that point, if that's the idea, why wouldn't you just buy out Fournier because he's in the last year of his deal? Yeah, it's true, but. Westbrook already looks uh, atrocious, and you do that to Fournier, he looks even worse. And yeah. you, as a front, a front office, look worse. Yeah, I mean, what looks worse? Buying out Fournier straightforward. By the way, you bought out almost bought out Kemba last year. So what? What the two free agency, the free agent signings you bring in, you buy them out basically, or trade them away. It, it's different trading the, trading them away than well buying them out because last year's free agency was around Evan Fournier and Kevin Walker and one is out of the team when there's out of the others out. Yeah, of I mean, the, think the about the backlash when we when we did the trade to get rid of Kemba, right? It's like, oh, you you gave up a uh, you know this this on this lottery pick or whatever to be able to get off of Kemba Walker's salary. The PR was bad there, and it would be even worse because you signed Kemba or sorry Evan Fournier to a multi-year deal, whereas Kemba was just kind of like a here's a one-year small deal. See what you got left in the tank. Try out. Yeah, come to find out, he had nothing left in the tank. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so kind of want to move on here. Uh, the team recently, the team's players specifically conducted a players-only meeting. And it seemed like it was pretty effective yeah. because they won a couple games out West, you know, at first. Yeah, I think they were asking Julius about it post-game one of the one of the nights. And he was just like, you know, we just had to reconnect as a group and figure out what we're doing wrong and to be better. So I guess, why do you think they went to this measure? And do you think a players-only meeting is actually effective? I think it's effective in a way where when you start losing or you're out of the, well, we we were a five we are a five hundred team so it's not like we're losing like two and fifteen or something like that so we're a five hundred team 
but we uh, and our all of our comments at the beginning of the season, RJ, Randall, Brunson, it, we're here to to prove we're, we're good again. Or we're, we're good. Well, we're a 500 team, so this this isn't being good. This is being mediocre. And you can see in the uh, the player's body language how we are we are getting affected at as as the losses come in. Like the way if we have a big win, uh, we didn't have a, a huge win. I think that's a problem as well. We don't have those huge wins against great teams. We don't play like playing amazing basketball, beating. Imagine us beating the Warriors. The, the, what what if instead of we if we swapped these uh, wins with the Nuggets and the Utah Jazz with the, the two these two games against the Warriors and the Suns, I think they would to the players they would mean much more. Is the Nuggets? Oh, you beat the Nuggets. Yes, but the Nuggets were without Jokic, so you, I mean, you struggle a bit on the Utah Jazz and Laurie Markman's Renaissance. Okay. Oh my God, he, he, he <laughs> what did he do against the Knicks? Like whatever, small market team. You're like, letting him play. It's it's the thing. It's the stats. You're letting Laurie Markman do whatever he wants on that team, and, and he's that doing is great. number one seed in the Western Conference. Utah Jazz to you, Rafa. <laughs> Where are they finishing the, the season? I it's mean, like, you yeah, know, you know my feelings on overreacting before twenty games, but yeah, yeah I, I, this is it's not going to be. Just start off hot, obviously. Martin, they'll be around the twelve seed by when it's all said. That, that's where they'll I mean, be. Marketing is it? Is it? It's his third team, right? Another team that traded yeah. it was the Bulls. It was the the Cavs. Everybody's yeah. trading him away, so he has a kind of a chip of it on his shoulder, and he has the possibility to play those minutes and play heavy minutes and. Show, oh, I'm good. Well, you're good-ish. Like, yeah. This this player meeting comes not so far away after that terrible loss against the Nets. Mm-hmm. Man, it's the team. It's good that they they understand that they're not in a good place. Oh, we, we can do better. Let's go. Well, yeah, I just hope they uh, don't have to have like, like 13 team meetings throughout the season. It's like... Uh, Man. I don't know what to say. I mean, it helped. We had a couple of wins, but when we and you saw today in the loss, we were we won two big games. We lost against the the Warriors, and it was a close game. It was the Warriors are still a good team, even if they're having team meetings of their own. They're still a good team, and you lose against the Suns, and you started. It was close. You tied it up, and then you turned the ball over, and you completely lost it. You never ever looked like it had a chance because no one was effective no one had energy out there other than brunson and it's just deflating they just deflate with the uh, oh the the opponents have a 10 point lead you just deflate it it's it's gone you have no energy there no seems like no passion anymore uh i think that's the where the the players meeting only meeting comes from like uh, come on fire up one of the guys trying to fire uh, one another i think it's it has a it works during a, a certain period, but then the things go back to the way they were. Yeah, I'm gonna like sound like a broken record here, I'm kind of repeating the same point from our last topic. But I really think this is another indication that maybe like the team has tuned him out in terms of uh, Thibodeau. So they're like, all right, we're not trying to deal with this fucking coach barking at us, right? Let's just fucking figure this shit out. You know, that way we don't got to deal with this fucking coach. And I remember when he got hired, I thought this, and I think a lot of people said this, that, you know, he runs hot. 
you know, so you, you're going to get instant results, which they got. And, but then eventually his message is going to get worn out by players. So, which happens to all these like hard nosed old school coaches, right? Like, especially if you don't have like the, the championship pedigree, like people st- put up with Pat Riley for so long because he won rigs, you know, in LA when he went into New York and then eventually went into Miami. And it's just like, I wonder if these players are like looking at us like, all right, man, I'm not trying to deal with this guy's bullshit right now. And if this was yet another sign that, you know, this, this team has kind of tuned this guy out and, you know, he's in year three and that's kind of the time frame when you would expect that to happen, you know, year three or year four, where you would tune out um, a, a barking coach. That's why I just I just feel like they're one bad losing streak away from just saying, okay, like if you had RJ go to him, it's like, look, man, this guy is not it, you know, and you just signed this guy, regardless of how poorly he's playing right now, to, you know, a big time extension. You got Julius Randle for a couple more. You just signed Jalen Brunson to a big contract. If any of those three guys are coming in saying, yo, man, this guy is not maximizing his talent. This guy is not putting us in a position to succeed. You know, they're going to listen to the player because in this league, they always listen to the player. Again, I'm not trying to, I, I don't think I've ever spent this much time on any of our podcasts kind of like speculating about Tom Thibodeau's job status. But I don't know, between his like first two years, he didn't alter his rotations for nothing. Like you remember, only time he would alter his rotations was injury. And what's he doing this year? Oh, maybe Cam Reddish will work. Oh, Mitch is out. We'll throw in Hartenstein. Uh, well, how about Jericho Sims? Like before, it was you're getting Nerlens Noel and you're gonna like it. You're not getting anybody else. You know he's Absolutely. mixing it up with the Julius and Ob stuff, and and it's like in one sense you're thinking, oh, that's kind of progression, but in another sense, like man, is this desperation? Like, is this just yeah, like, exactly. I'm trying to save my job. I'm going to throw everything against the wall and see what the fuck sticks. What this sounds like, or it seems like, is like, imagine, uh, I'm not saying this will happen or I want it to happen. Yeah. Well, I do, but say it like <laughs> this. If t- when Tibbs eventually or ends up getting fired, oh, I yeah. tried everything. in Because you know it's New York, so it, it will happen. There will be a, a media going, especially if the next coaches things aren't working out, and the front will be on ESPN within two weeks. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Talking about oh, the the front office doesn't know how to run things. This, this, and the other. Uh, I don't know if Tibbs is the kind of guy doing like doing it like this, but whatever. Uh, I, I can't say. Oh, I tried going crazy like that. I tried everything. I tried everything with it with. Uh, if not, it's not him. Uh, maybe some. Uh, coach worked with him something like that we'll say that oh we tried everything with those players those players aren't just just aren't good enough it will be something around around this it's but you know i agree with you it's not rocket science i think that's and again tom Thibodeau is not a bad coach his methods are just not perfect for these players and i probably wouldn't see a guy like julius randall Saying that oh Tibbs isn't it because of how much run he has he gotten with Tibbs probably the most of his career he's playing heavy minutes point point forward doing everything he wants the and source he is tries. RJ right like it would have to be RJ yeah mm. 
RJ wouldn't RJ had the backup of all the other young guys? Obi, uh, Cam, quickly in a way as well. Wouldn't it have the oh? Wouldn't the guy say, yeah, he's not the he's not the guy because even if it's their own personal interest, it's I mean, if as much as Obi loves the team, Obi loves his players, he wants to play more. I'm not saying they they are against each other because you can see that they aren't. They all celebrate it with themselves. They all go hug him, hug one another, and everything. So, and they all try to cheer up RJ or quickly or anyone else. So I I love that. But players unite themselves first, and then the uh, uh, the coach comes in. And I agree with you. I I think I said it last last week that it's Tips trying everything he can to win or not to lose. It's it's not to win. It's not to lose. Like Deuce McBride got minutes today. Deuce McBride, Fournier yeah. got zero. It's... Think about who he's elevating, man. He's elevating Deuce, defensive point guard. He's elevating yeah. Reddish and Grimes, good wing defenders. Like he is trying to show that he is one being flexible, but two, inserting defensive minded players because that's what he trusts the most. And, you know, there aren't any more, I think we said this at the beginning of the year, there aren't any more veterans for him to lean on outside of Derrick Rose. And, and you know, he obviously both, is out on Fournier. So both veterans complaining, both veterans are complaining in a way, complaining with mm-hmm. uh, quotes. Rose complained about his role in Fournier a, a bit as well. So like you look at it like this, man, in Chicago, he got five years. In Minnesota, he was out after three, you know, so I'm just the guy burns hot. You know, there's there's no debating that, you know, outside of his tenure as an assistant on on the Knicks with Riley and Van Gundy in the in the 90s and yeah. 2000s, you know, most of his spots, he's, he's there two to five years. It's about perspective. Yeah. It's about how, the way you look at things. If this was year three with Tibbs and you saw the team, I mean, if it was it was flipped like the first year with Randall was the COVID year was this year and the year before. So you see the year before uh, was the COVID year. So we, we you would have seen prog- progression, progression in a way, like because last year we were under 500. So this would be the first year. Imagine we finished the season like this. We are 500 teams. So there's improvement and then you're a playoff team. So you are scaling up right now. What you see is you're scaling down. So, when you look at it, oh, but in two seasons, he made the playoffs, he was coach of the year, or in three seasons, even if he finishes it. So he was coach of the year, we made the playoffs and everything. Yeah, but it was the first year, two years ago. Now you're making the, you're not making the playoffs or you're going down. You're not, see the play, you're not seeing the player development you wanted out of, well, anyone. And the results show if it was reversed, if Tibbs, if we were under 500, to a 500 team, to a playoff team, Tibbs would, would still have his job. And there were no questions asked. But, well, we are on a line, on the, on the declining line. Still the same problems, still the same issues. We mentioned three-point lines, defensive rebounding. Our offense is, uh, well, if one of the guys gets hot, it's better. If it doesn't, they need to read the offense, which, well... Our guys aren't the best at it. I'm sorry. RJ is one of those. He's, he, well, I get that tunnel vision conversation. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like we're trying, we're uh, taking advantage of Alex not being here. But it's not like that. <laughs> it's just, 
probably the, the players are a bit done with Tibbs and the Cam Reddish situation as well. The Cam Reddish one, especially like he didn't play last year because he didn't know anything, but this year he plays really good and he's the go-to guy. The whole situation is weird and how he handles players, getting him out of the rotations. It's just has just like Peyton, the Campbell last year and Fournier this year, like starter out of the rotation in the middle of weeks, which is, mm-hmm. well, it's the management. It seems weird. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see how this unfolds, of course, you know, but when you're having a players only meeting, like we were talking earlier uh, about how, you know, when the Warriors did it, it's because they've had some infighting between the players, but when the Knicks are doing it, it, it you can't help but wonder, you know, what it is. And if it's, Cool. Just uh, you know, the, the, yeah. the being burnt out of the coach. And the Knicks goal for this season and the Golden State Warriors goal for this season, they're quite different. different. It's so so yeah, if they the Golden State Warriors have a, a players only meeting is like, guys, let's get this shit together. Let's go for the title. Like we're not winning like this, let's go. And the Knicks is like, hey guys, let's try to do win. Yeah, no one is accusing Steve Kerr of being on a hot seat. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, exactly. uh, but speaking of players, you know, Rafa, you brought up an interesting point in our group chat this past week, which is one that I absolutely agree with, which is Nick fans not embracing the players they have, you know, where no player is good enough. We have Patrick Ewing. Yeah, but he's not Michael Jordan. We had Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, but he's not LeBron James, you know, which is true, you know, but like that doesn't make them unworthy of you being a fan of the team or not liking the team. And, you know, we're seeing that now with RJ Barrett struggling. We've seen it last year and into this year with Julius Randle. And we've seen it even a little bit this year with Jalen Brunson, uh, where a lot of fans were talking about his usage and ball hog this, ball hog that which is still categorically ridiculous to me. But I guess, like, why do you think this this fan base is so critical on its leading players, you know, whether they're um, a middling team like they are now or or whether they were, you know, a team contending for the playoffs like they were in the Carmelo and, uh, and Patrick Ewing eras? I think it's pretty simple. It's They are not outright stars. They're not the best players in the league. So if you're not the best player in the league, you're not good enough for New York. Even if if you're the best player in the league, I don't know if you're good enough to New York. They will find something because it's what they do. It's We haven't won in forever. We haven't had good seasons since Patrick Ewing. Uh, I, I love Mallow, but the the construction, the Washington construction, construction around him was shit. And so it, it worked one season and it derailed. And so, so yeah, and we want to win, and we want to be clear contenders to titles and winning titles. So they just don't see players, and they always feel the need to compare their player, their best players, to other guys. Like, oh, that guy is better. Okay, sure, but not every time the best player wins. I mean, one of the best players in the league, Kevin Durant, hasn't re- leave, hasn't left at the first round in how many years? 
how many years is he in Brooklyn? I don't know. And it's not a knock on Brooklyn, just saying that the best player sometimes, well, okay, you have the best player, but the best team also wins. So mm-hmm. you need to look at the 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 2004, 2005 Pistons. They were they didn't have the best players on the floor. Two best players on the floor, and one of those finals were in the Lakers, Shaq and Kobe, and they still won. So I'm not saying we're that team. I would love us to be the Pistons of that time, but we're not that. It's we we complained for years and years about the Charlie Ward curse. We don't we don't have young players staying here. We trade them all away because it's what we do is the Knicks. And the first guys we have to sign it, Mitchell. It's Mitchell Robinson, the second rounder, but Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and we want to trade them all. We want to trade R.J. We want to trade uh, Mitchell. We want to trade Randall. We want to trade uh, Brunson. Probably if someone wants to trade him already. So we need to understand that stars and superstars. Let's call it superstars because it's what the Knicks fans want. They're hard to come by. Is it draft, uh, free agency trades? They're hard to come by. So we need to. When I when I thought think about this, I look at the team like the Raptors, how they got the title. Do you ever believed that Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan would lead the, that team to a title? Absolutely not. That's what they had. They drafted Demar Derozan. The Demar Derozan was there when Chris Bosh was there. So. How long ago was DeMar DeRozan there? They played him. Oh, it's it's what we have. Let's develop them. Let's. They, they got Kyle Lowry as well. I think he played in Houston and or in many other yeah. teams before. I think he even played in Memphis, something like that. Before he came there, they got a few players around them. They drafted Siakam, who they're playing Siakam. Is Siakam a superstar? Is Siakam a star? No. No. He's, he's a very good player. Yes, he's a very good player. And with it still has ups and downs. Is OG Ananobi a star, or a, a, no? He's a very a good, good player good as well. Player. Yeah. So the, you can build a team of good players. You can tell me that oh, that's how small market teams build. Yeah, well, the Knicks should build as a small market team because our history of is Look, man, atrocious. Milwaukee's a small market team. They're doing all right, you know, like. It's 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 not this like dirty word. You know what? Who else is the big market team? Is the Lakers? They're one of the worst teams in the West. You know, so you want to be them? Players want to go to the Lakers. The players not right now, obviously not. But the Lakers are a big market team that can attract free agents. The Knicks aren't that because of our past front offices and all the drama around in New York. We can't attract those. Big stars to come to, to come here. Oh, let's build here. The first, the the biggest indication we have here, and thank God that didn't happen, is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't want to come to the Knicks. They preferred the Nets. Yeah. Okay. Then oh, the Nets is safer. And we've talked about this before many, many times in Twitter, on Twitter, everywhere in the world. There's a lot of pressure to a player to come to the Knicks. Melo knows that. Uh, Ewing knows that They're, they've they've talked about how the pressure and the pressure of New York. Everybody talks about the pressure of New York. So we need to be to build that. And you hate this, but the culture we need to do, to do that. It's a, a thing. Okay, we have a good talent. We have good, good teams. Is R.J. Barrett a superstar? No. Is he a, a future star? Probably not. Is he a very good young player? Yes. Can we 
win a title uh, surrounding him? I doubt it. Probably not. But can we build? Can we build a contender with him? Why the hell not? Keep the players you want. Keep the best players available. Don't trade them away for for Anthony Davis or whatever. Uh, the, oh, the next available. Like, stop looking at the the grass greener on the other side. Because sometimes it might not be that much greener. It's just the the, the the way you're seeing it. It's it, it looks greener, like a, a little a bit of Photoshop. <laughs> I look at this. It comes down to this fan base, man. It always is going to come down to this fan base. Like right now, the way they look at these players, yeah, RJ is okay. He's not Ja. He's not Darius Garland. He's not Zion. It was just the most important thing. He's not Zion. Okay. Oh, we got Julius Randle. He made All-NBA a couple years ago. Oh, cool. He, he and KD, you know, he's not Kyrie. You know, he's he's not those guys. You get Jalen Brunson. Yeah, but, you know, he's not Donovan Mitchell. It's the thing where we we continue. We're so desperate to have a winner. And the thing about it is, like, in 85, the Knicks fans obviously wanted Patrick Ewing and got Patrick Ewing. And... Even he was maligned when he was here. Not good enough. Not good enough for this fan base. And I've always said, like, that mentality is why nobody fucking wants to come here. It's why Kawhi Leonard probably didn't want to come here. It's why AD, when he was thinking about getting traded, didn't want to come here. You know, like, and we were just used as kind of leverage. You know, we love to criticize these players. Like, look at how Julius Randle's been treated. And I'm not saying Julius Randle is a superstar. I've never said he's a superstar, but he was like getting booed every time he touched the ball. People chanting for Obi every five seconds. Now you have like unhinged Knicks fans. If he like misses a couple threes going on Twitter, talking about, oh, we got to get rid of him. And even when he has a good game, oh, way to up that trade value, Julius, you know, like, why are you in such a rush? to get rid of players that are productive. Like, if RJ has a great game, they'll be like, yeah, okay, but yeah, did you see what Zion and Ja did today? Well, you know, Ja led, uh, led Memphis to the to the playoffs. You know, what's, what's RJ doing exactly. here? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, like, I'm surprised, honestly, that with all that, that RJ actually re-signed here. You know, because maybe he, he could have easily said, you know, fuck you guys. Uh, I'm just going to... You know, play out the last year on my play, on my team option and and hit free agency and see what the fuck happens. But it's this like they're impossible to please. You know, and again, it's not that these players are great, but they are good players, and you can win with good players. And quite frankly, we're not in a position right now to be a team or a fan base that's demanding championships. What have we done to to warrant that? Because we're in a big market. I mean, the Clippers are in a big market. You see Clippers fans before they got Kawhi and PG saying that they deserve certain players or something like that. Like, we feel like we're entitled to players, and it goes back to building a winning foundation that you were talking about with culture and stuff like that. The reason players sign with Miami is because they have a fucking foundation, not because they're a big market. The reason why Drew Holiday ended up with the Bucks and is happy with the Bucks is because they have a foundation of winning, and he took them to the next level. You know, not every team is the Lakers. You know, even like classical powerhouse teams like the Celtics, how did they build? They, they did it through the draft. You know, like most of these players that are like 
top elite level superstars. Take out KD, LeBron, and Kawhi, right? Jokic, Embiid, Doncic, Giannis. All these guys were drafted by these organizations and developed. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not it's not like you just get the player and magically you're better. Like Utah was good for years because they developed and drafted Gobert and Mitchell. You know, Cleveland is good now because of Mobley and Garland, not just because they got Donovan Mitchell. They had a foundation in place that, like, made Donovan Mitchell think, yeah, uh, this is a good place for me to go. I can win here, you know, and we need to show that. And when we're hostile to our players, like, players see that shit. Like, we have all listened to, like, the J.J. Redick pods and – uh, all the smoke, all these basketball pods where his former players running them, they're telling you stories of when they played. And they'll tell you, like, they they pay attention to stuff like that. They see how management treats players in, in an organization, how a certain coach treats a player, how a fan base treats its players, you know? And it's just like, if, if they don't treat you a lot, like a perfect example, this is the Spurs. What the Spurs were like, oh, class A organization, right? What happens when the guys they drafted all leave. There's a team that's not getting players and they haven't drafted the next Tim Duncan or the next Manu Ginobili. So where are they in the Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes? It's just like, you have this, this dynamic was like, we don't deserve shit in that regard. Like we haven't done anything to warrant a player wanting to come here. And, you know, I think a couple episodes ago, Rafa, you asked me like, well, who's the next guy that we should go after that be, should they become available? I don't know how to answer that question because if I look at – if you look at the younger players in this in this uh, league now, you know, the guys are 26, 27 and younger, all they've known their entire lives is that the Knicks are a dumpster fire organization because, you know, they were born in the late 90s. They don't remember the 99 playoff run. Obviously, they were too young. And – all they know is the years of losing with Stefan Marbury, the couple of years they're okay with Melo, but then they think about, man, they ran Melo out of town. Why would they want to come here when there's no... Even Porzingis, even Porzingis, I mean, yeah, you run all the Porzingis drama surrounding it, even the, the, all the drama surrounding it, he was the this, your second best player and you threw him, threw him away and you give nothing to Carmelo Anthony for the rest of his years. And he wanted to... He was the guy that wanted to come here. He was the guy that wanted to be here. He resigned, knowing we were a dumpster fire because he believed. And when he complained about the the coaching staff, when he complained about Phil Jackson, he was a a a, a bum. And we all know who the bum was in that situation. It was Phil Jackson. He and well, what what did Phil Jackson do with the Knicks? Traded everyone away. Great. It's amazing. And it's just like, there's a difference between being passionate and being fucking toxic. Okay. Like there are passionate fan bases out there, you know, like I feel like the Spurs fan base is a passionate fan base. You know, I feel like the Pacers have a passionate fan base. You know, it's a, it's a state that loves basketball, but we are passionate, but also can severe to being unrealistic. Any player has one bad night. It's like, get this guy off my team. You know, quickly has a bad stretch. He's like, oh, this guy's a fucking ball hog. Trade him. And I'm just like, who are you? You know, who are you to just be demanding 
to get rid of a player who's in his third season. Who are you to really like, like, again, I get the thumbs down thing was a bad look for Julius, but you know, you're going to just like abandon a player just because you like his replacement more because he missed a few jump shots. When in reality, you should look at it like, yeah, they put him in a bad fucking position. He's no point forward. He's never been a point forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and with RJ, it's the same Wait. thing. He's like, oh, he can't hit these shots. Like, my, the guy's like 21, 22 years old. Like, what do you want from him? Like, he's going to have ups and downs. You you brought up the situations. Uh, I'm not saying he he would, would be a, a star on any other team. He would be do the same thing if RJ went to, to Memphis or to... To, um, to Cleveland or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. you look at the, the the teams that these guys were drafted: Zion to 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 Pelicans, Ja to 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 Memphis, even Garland to Cleveland, and RJ to Knicks. So obviously, who had the the worst situation com- coming in? Who had the the worst team around him? Yeah, when you look at it, I mean, Zion was walking into a situation where they still had Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. That's a good foundational pieces. Ja was admittedly not walking into much, but he had Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. And in Cleveland, Garland was walking into uh, – oh, I think Garland might have been in a bad spot because you didn't know how it was going to work with him in Sexton. But Sexton, yeah, yeah. 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 But, I mean, the Knicks were a fucking dumpster but, fire. I mean, there's no way around it. Lou Amundsen, it was the guy, too, who went in to help the, the R.J. Barrett because, I mean, even the – okay, uh, John Moran's situation wasn't much better. Did he add nearly as much pressure as RJ Barrett? Just no, to, you're in Memphis, in, smallest in market in the league. Yeah, all that helps. And RJ's first year wasn't great, and he str- struggled initially. And people turned out on him because Ja was doing good. Zion, well, he wasn't playing, but Garland was doing good, and everybody shat on RJ Barrett like that thing not going into All NBA, uh, All NBA, All uh, All Rookie. Uh, the first or second team, it's it's it was still dumb because most of those some of those guys aren't even in rotations now. But whatever. But the pressure is much much better, uh, much much uh, uh, worse here in in New York for every player. And I uh, had a, a, a Twitter rant about this because RJ was always doomed to to fail to some fans because he wasn't Sion. Randall was always doomed to fail when he came here because he isn't Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or whatever. Even Stoudemire, you, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony, but Stoudemire's stat was always doomed to fail because he wasn't LeBron James, that we wanted that free agency. And we got stat, so great. And then we got Melo. I mean, it didn't. It, they weren't LeBron, like you said. It they're always doomed to fail. Ewing wasn't Michael Jordan and John Starks wasn't Pippen. It's always what, I mean, the other guys are winning. Yeah, but we need to build with what we have. If we, you trade Randall, RJ, and wh- whatever else you want to trade, you end up with another rebuild. And it's, you talked about the fan base not being ever happy. It's, you can see when the Knicks win, there's always something to complain still. Like, we won, but we didn't win the way I wanted them to win. I want to win instead of Randall has a 30-point game. I want to win, but Obi has a 30-point game. Well, It's about being right, you know? 
Yeah, it's about saying, oh, yeah, see, I told absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess we can it, leave it at that. And segregating. Leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Let's uh, talk a little bit about this upcoming week. So uh, the Knicks close out uh, their road trip out west with a visit to the Thunder and then back home for a couple of games uh, against the Blazers and Grizzlies, uh, who we were just talking about. So, Rafa, how do you think the team will fare this week? I don't know, man. It's it's This team is... Oh, I, I thought you were going to stink the, the West Coast trip, and we played well, pretty okay. good. Yeah. The game against the Suns was terrible, but we played pretty good. So, I don't know, the... the the Thunder, SGA is still playing very good. The Blazers are the Blazers. We don't, it's sometimes it's little happens, sometimes it doesn't. It's a weird spot they are in it as well. And the Grizzlies, we had one of the worst, RJ had one of the worst games against the Grizzlies. The first game of the season, probably he's going to have the best right now. That's what, what I'm thinking, hoping. Uh, let's say we're going. Let's be positive this week. Two and one. I'll I be positive am... for once. I'm gonna get spicy, man. I'm gonna say they win all three games. Here's why. Oh my god! Look Revenge game against the Thunder. I th- I I think. Okay. You know, like the Thunder were just shooting like crazy. Like I can see the Knicks taking one back from them. Lillard is not going to be playing for the Blazers. He's out with an injury for a couple of weeks now. I think it was just reported today. So I think without their main guy, that's that's a winnable game at home. And the Grizzlies, I believe, will also be without Ja because he's out for a couple of weeks. He's still out, right? Yeah, so... I forgot, yeah. You know, so I, I feel like handling Tyus Jones is a little more manageable than handling Ja Morant. So yeah. as, assuming Ja doesn't play, unless there's a there's something I didn't see with the injury report, I, I could see it happening. It's against man. the Knicks, man. It's against the Knicks. Yeah, just, uh, now I said out. that Ty, Ty is going to drop 50. But, you know, now that I said that, oh he's going to have this garden moment against us, you know, on uh, on Sunday night. But, uh, you know, oh, we'll, see. we'll see how that goes. But that is going to uh, wrap up another episode of the pod here with uh, just myself and Rafa this week. So a little light staffed. As always, please make sure to check out the pod on Twitter where you can catch us at Podcast and you know, there's a lot of uh, concern about Twitter, you know, about if this platform is going to survive this Elon Musk takeover. So in preparation for that, we are also on Mastodon, if you are jumping to that platform. And we are at Worldwide Knicks on there. So we'll be kind of uh, talking about the team and the games on both of those platforms moving forward. Um, also, uh, if yeah. you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That does help us get to more more like-minded Nick fans for very measured discussion, as you've heard from us tonight. You know, very measured Tom Thibodeau's coaching for his life commentary. So if you like that, make sure you uh, course, give us a good rating on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So on behalf mm-hmm. of Rafa and Alex from the bench, Uh, It's Omar for Worldwide Knicks signing off, and we will see you guys next week.